Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The steal by Iverson, posting it! He won it! He won the game! Be there to say absolutely no! Free from Scott, yes! Do you love this game? Welcome into Sixers Talk. I am Kevin Rice alongside Ben Barry. Danny Pommels is out on vacation again, I assume, probably in Eastern Europe somewhere, I'd say, Ben. Sixers Talk is presented by Wilmington University, Willem U Works. And we've got some stuff to talk about today, Ben. Um, one of the crazier games against the Washington Wizards where Bradley Beal dropped 60 and the Sixers still find a way to win. And then a game in Brooklyn where the Sixers find themselves playing not against Kyrie and Katie and find a way to lose. So start with that Wizards game, I guess. How in the world did the Sixers win while Bradley Beal dropped 60? I don't know, man. It seems like they made more shots. A lot of the points they got at the end was and ones, whether it was Joel or Ben. I, They just put up more points. They didn't have much business winning, in my opinion. For Bradley Beal to drop 60 is some group chats I'm in that people like, oh, don't. Like they beat up on the Wizards. I'm like, the Wizards aren't a good team, but it, they've given the Sixers some problems the two times they faced them. I've questioned why Doc Rivers didn't put Ben on Bradley Beal. That's your all-NBA defender, much bigger, longer than Beal, but it didn't seem like Ben was – he didn't have that great of a game all around to begin with, so Bradley Beal just ate over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was infuriating to watch without – been on him. Danny Green was on him most of the game and just couldn't stay with Beal. Beal's obviously an incredible scorer in all aspects. He's just a walking bucket, if you will. But Ben not being on him was curious, to say the least. And the Sixers' offense was fortunately just had a historic night. They were shooting 80% from three for a little bit and then cooled down a little. And that's when Bradley Beal kind of made inroads with the Sixers. He had 55 points through three quarters. And then the Sixers held him to five in the fourth quarter. So credit where it's due, they locked all windows and doors when it really mattered. But it was a good game for Joel Embiid and Seth Curry. And that's interesting because Joel Embiid, you know, obviously is a all-world player. He can do anything he wants in the post against a weaker center in Thomas Bryant. But Seth Curry being now the premier ball handler and shot creator on the perimeter for the Sixers is a telling sign. And we saw the drop-off in the Nets game without him. But in the Wizards game especially, he was doing a lot for the Sixers team and making sure he got his offense, he got offense for others. So it was that outside-inside combo with Seth Curry and Joel Embiid that I really noticed kind of held the Sixers up and gave them that floor spacing and that gravity they needed to beat a atomic performance from Beal. I could be wrong, but what Seth Curry brings seems to be, at least on the offensive end, seems to be what the Sixers hoped for Josh Richardson last year. Mm-hmm. And Seth is a much better scorer. Uh, I know a lot of people were high on Richardson before he got here, but he just never fit. Seth doesn't have to carry some of the responsibilities, the ball handling, just the offensive general when Ben's not in the game. But, yes, 
the inside-outside game work, he was scoring from deep and scoring it from inside. He looks completely comfortable out there, which is nice when he's out there. Unfortunately, the Sixers have him when they play the Nets. But against the Wizards, him and Joel was a great one-two punch. He looked like a Curry for sure. He was firing and hitting. It was almost bizarre to watch a Sixer shoot that many threes and make that many threes consecutively. But, can, um, can I tell you a funny story real quick? Absolutely. Uh, so I went to Liberty, and that's where Seth went his freshman year. Yes. So when he was coming in, we all knew about Steph at that point because what he had done in the tor- tournament. Mm-hmm. I just remember he's coming in, and people were telling me, oh, we're getting Steph's younger brother. He's going to be better than Steph. And I'm like, slow down. <laughs> slow down. Like, I'm, we've never seen him play. So and he, I think that's when the whole Ben pessimism thing started. When people told me how great someone is, and this is like, have you seen them play? Or have you seen them do whatever you're telling me they're great at? And he came in. He led freshman in scoring that year. But I was like, he's not his brother. So, like, not a shot. It's just anytime someone tells me how great someone is it's coming in, like, have you seen them play? So, this goes on with Mar- Markel Fultz and Lonzo Ball coming out of college. You weren't staying up to watch Pac-12 basketball when people told me how great they were. So, anytime Seth Curry comes up, that's what I think of. I stayed up for some Fultz games. I never stayed up for that many Lonzo games. But it's weird just to, just to stay on the Currys for a little bit. Uh, Seth is, like, by no means and has never been a bad NBA player. He's one of the best three-point shooters in the history of the league. It's just wild that his older brother happens to be, like, the a greatest. generational shooter <laughs> and, like, shot creator on the perimeter. <laughs> so, like. Yeah, like obviously Seth gets overlooked in his career just because of how incredible and impactful Steph is. But Seth is so awesome. It's like it's wild to think that there's like a Curry brother better than him. That like, right. Like if Seth, Seth's name was Kevin Rice, he would get a lot more love oh, he yeah. would get compared to his brother. He didn't have that Curry last name, yeah. Right. Rice in the NBA, maybe, maybe next year. I'll walk I'll walk on an invincible type situation. But um yeah. Solid win against the Wizards, showed a lot of resilience. But then the Sixers on the back-to-back on the road, head up to Brooklyn. Nets are without KD and Kyrie Irving and, and Spencer Dinwiddie, who went down earlier this year. Uh, Sixers go down Seth Curry with a reported ankle injury. And you say, okay, probably should still be a win for the Sixers. They have still Joel, still have Ben, still Tobias. Nets are without their two best players. And they kind of just got the brakes blown off them. Um, 20 turnovers for the Sixers, not going to get it done. And it was not because of the Nets' defense. It was just careless passing, just really out of sorts offense. And it really showed how much the Sixers needed Seth Curry because they had no perimeter creation, no solid dribble drive penetration besides Tyrese Maxey and Shake Milton. But you can't rely on two sub-24 guys to lead your team with Joel Embiid. But what did you see in that Nets game, Ben? Because it was it – was, Ugly. It, it was bad. The 20 turnovers were bad. I mentioned it uh, on New Year's Day or the, the pod we did earlier this week. The turnovers are still alarming to me, and you can't win. You're not going to make it a deep playoff run committing that many turnovers. The Nets had, what, 35 points off the Sixers' 20 turnovers? Around that. The, yeah, the Sixers, I think the Nets had 13 turnovers, and Sixers might have got 15 points off of it. Mm-hmm. Just not winning basketball. And you would think without Kyrie, without Kevin Durant, and without Spencer Dinwiddie, that Ben and Joel would just eat. They would feast. They'd get whatever they want. 
and it didn't necessarily happen. And then you had Karis LeVert light the Sixers up for, what, 22 points, 10 assists? Joe Harris. Joe Harris. <laughs> yeah. Joe Harris, uh, the, the perfect YMCA player. Like, And that's not a shade on him. It just looked like a guy you see at the Y just dropping, dropping bombs to scoring left and right. And as bad as the offense was for the Sixers, defensively, it just wasn't there. And that's just not going to work when a team like the Nets, their two best players, two all-stars, aren't playing, and you just get work like that. It didn't inspire, like, hope. We talked about it. The Sixers, their record, because they were 5-1, and 6-1, and one, and I was skeptical because they haven't played anyone good. Then they finally played a team that we all believe is good who doesn't have the same record as the Sixers, but without their stars, and they just got work from – first from tip well to the end of the game mm-hmm. and Joel and Ben had five turnovers apiece really just not great games from either of them and you say like you don't have Curry so your offense might take a hit there then you lock in on defense with two all-world defenders and a solid cast around you that just never looked like it happened the old cliche of defense travels did not hold up in Brooklyn even though it's a short travel but the Nets just got whatever they wanted on both ends and it was Again, second night of a back-to-back going on the road. It's has to be a little – like, there's there's stuff there that you can make excuses for, not that you ever want to make excuses, but it's also Joel Abid to Ben Simmons, and they neither of them got close to even playing to their normal standards. And it's it's Joel Embiid's first loss of the season, too. He was – Joel Embiid was undefeated going into that game, but now he has a loss, so that's kind of stinky. But it's – it was almost expected. You know how we've, you and me especially, of the, the pessimists while Danny brings us all up. We've been almost expecting the Sixers to drop a bad game, a game they should win. And it wasn't against the Magic or the Hornets twice or even the Wizards, which was got close, but it was against the Nets without their two all-NBA players. So that was almost like, a, oh, the problems are still here. Okay, we're not, we're not totally out of the woods yet. Yeah, it's Ben and Joel started slow. Ben didn't finish, I think, 4-13. Would have liked to see him get put up at least 15 shots. Uh, I did like what I see. I, every Actually, it's never a time I don't like what I see out of Maxie. Yeah. And, like, I'm all for getting him as many minutes as possible. And we with Seth, uh, we'll get into a little bit later, tested positive for COVID-19. I think he should get all those minutes. And even when Seth comes back, you find more and more minutes for Maxi. Uh, don't know what happens when Furcon comes back, but I am a complete fan of giving Maxi as many minutes as possible, especially since it doesn't seem like the Sixers have a legit ball handler once Ben comes out the game or someone you're comfortable with starting and creating offense for everyone else, getting everyone in position. So when the playoffs come, if it's going to be Maxi, might as well get him as many reps as possible. Yeah, he's, he's incredible. <laughs> I mean, we – I was, of course, on draft night over the moon when he not only fell at 21, but the Sixers got him at 21. Uh, he's just an awesome shot creator. The floater game is just – it doesn't make any sense how soft his touch is around the rim, especially after watching Ben Simmons for the last couple of years. But that Maxi Milton backup backcourt is really fun, and it's going to be a weird season. There's going to be a lot of injuries. There's going to be a lot of – strange um, personal reasons that people are out 
and that Maxi Milton backcourt was fun to watch. And they're both bring certain aspects of the game that the Sixers haven't had in a while of Maxi can create his own shot. He reads what defenses give him. He can hit shots over big men. He can outpower guards, even though he's only six two, I believe. And then Shake has those like telescopic arms of just he can reach around anyone. He can put up left-handed shots, right-handed shots. His shot from three hasn't been falling as much, but it's there. It's not a broken shot by any means. But he's been getting – Shake and Maxi have been getting all of what they need to off the bench for the Sixers. So, again, you said Curry and Furkan are out. Those are the two guys I want to see play the absolute most, just to – especially for Maxi to just work out the kinks as a rookie and Shake to just keep building on what he has from last year and this year. And something you mentioned earlier was just that they, the turnovers were kind of careless. They were reckless. And Doc Rivers called a timeout, I think, 20 seconds into the third quarter because the Sixers did not execute the first play of the half. And he scolded them because he said, this is going to be a team that executes. And if they're not doing that, Doc Rivers is obviously going to chew them out, it appears. So that's something, a silver lining almost you take from that game is that, okay, the turnovers were there still. Uh, it wasn't a good game on offense or defense by any means, but at least Doc Rivers is using that as a coaching point and as a learning point to move forward with this team, hopefully in the near future. I know. So the turnovers, I know Noah Love Levick wrote about it on NBC sports, Philadelphia.com backslash Sixers. The Sixers came into uh, the net game against the Nets averaging 16.7 turnover percentage. And that isn't all directly the pace. And maybe you can put it on how much turnover the roster has had and a lot of new, unfamiliar people, and they have the shortened training camp. They're not familiar with each other. I'm hoping it's that. But it's been a problem when Brett Brown was the coach, is gone back for three or four years now. I'm hoping the team just develops more just familiarity with each other and can get through it, but it does not give me high hopes moving forward. And before we move on to the next topic, going back to Maxi, I remember before the draft, you were very high on him. You and Danny are talking, and I'm I'm skeptical. I'm like, I don't want another six two, six three guard. Like, can we get a wing? Can we get a three and D wing that we can the Sixers can count on? You were right. I was wrong. I just want to get that out of the way, Kevin. No, you were I, wrong. I was, not, I was not pressuring you at all to say that, but thank you. <laughs> Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yes, so Sixers got their first almost real test against a Nets team that was without their two best players. But now they go Saturday at 3 p.m. against the Nuggets, which is another big test for them. Nuggets coming off a overtime loss against the Mavericks on Thursday night. Uh, but, Ben, that game might not happen because the Sixers have a positive COVID test in Seth Curry, 
which is, you know, sort of manageable unless, you know, they get the results back mid-game against the Nets. And now you're in scramble mode for both teams to have their players test and test negative before you travel, before you go anywhere. So not a great look for the Sixers, for the NBA, especially since it seemed optics-wise like they kind of forced their way to play on that TNT game. So uh, it's a weird season like we've alluded to before on previous podcasts, but just not a great look when one of your players tests positive mid-game. Yeah, and – I know it's going to be people out there to say, oh, they knew. Why was he on the sideline? Blah, blah, blah. No, he tested positive mid-game. That's when the team found out. And just the optics look bad. You want everyone to be thoughtful. You want everyone to be courteous. You want everyone to be safe. But, you know, got to get these TNT broadcasts. Got to get these ratings. And it's one thing to play the game, wait for the test. Seth Curry was ruled out with an ankle, quote-unquote, injury. But – then you see Seth Curry on the bench with a mask on, but talking to Joel Embiid sitting next to him, sitting next to multiple players. And it's like, if you're awaiting a COVID test, you cannot be out there, man. Like you got to be back in the locker room waiting and the team, like realistically, they should have just waited, delayed the game until that result came back. And if it did come back positive, should have just canceled the game. So everyone's safe because again, still no long-term, we don't know the long-term effects of any of this. Different players have had different reactions. Keontae Johnson on Florida's team passed out mid-game while right. playing after he reportedly tested positive for COVID a while back. So there's a lot that was not good. So it was this perfect Sixer season is uh, unraveling rather quickly. I think you have to postpone the game just to play it safe. I know it'll be, what, just under, what, 36 hours between the two tip-offs? But if I just don't know, you force the game, or you don't force it. You play the game while you're waiting for the results. You got the Nuggets, which I was excited to see another good matchup for the mm-hmm. Sixers to see yep. what they're really about with their stars who are healthy, or so it seems. Nobody was going to end up sitting. I don't know what the I don't know what the league was thinking. I don't know what the Sixers were thinking. I hope that no one else on the team or no one else in the arena contracted it or test positive moving forward. I hope Seth and his family are, are safe and no long-term effects. But, again, bad optics, and it just doesn't make me feel all that great moving forward. Yeah, it does make me feel almost guilty for watching them. And Joel Embiid, credit to him, mentioned that he is staying away from his family. He, of course, is a new father with a three-month-old son. He's staying away from his family and self-quarantining until he gets multiple negative tests, so that's good on him. He also, Joel also mentioned that when they were playing in the bubble, his – son was about to be born. And if that was the case when they were still playing, he said he was going to leave and go see his son be born, which I don't blame him for at all. So he is obviously thinking about, and he should be thinking about, it's more than basketball. Like this is people's lives at stake. This is a lot of different moving parts going around. So they, I'd say there's like a 50-50 chance this Nuggets game is even played on Saturday at three. I would not be surprised if it gets canceled. And this is why they – it makes me a little angry too because they could have just postponed the Nets game. This is why they set up the season how they did of mm-hmm. two halves to the season and they don't have the second half of the schedule released yet because of stuff like this. And they didn't really take advantage of their own creation there of we have this flexible schedule so we can cancel if we need to, but we'll just play on TNT because it's a national broadcast and Joel and Bede's on air. So – I'm not in love with it, and I feel a little guilty about 
watching it, but it's where we are in the world. We've got to watch it's, it's our job. I know. <laughs> I got to make videos. I got to talk about it. I got to do it all. <laughs> dreams come into reach at Wilmington University. There's a local university that's ready to bring your dreams into reach. It's Wilmington University. WilmU helps working adults reach their career goals through accredited and affordable degrees and certificates to reach new heights in your field. WilmU works. Find out why at wilmu.edu. And we touched on it earlier, the young core for the Sixers, Shake Milton and Tyrese Maxey. But another young player the Sixers still have is Matisse Thibel, who, again, with this kind of crippled roster, you expect to get some more minutes and make the most of them. But he has not done that, and it's a little fall from grace. It's a little sad to see that Matisse isn't able to really find his way with this team. But against the Nets, 17 minutes, 0 for 3 from the field, and a rebound, two assists, a block, a steal, two fouls. It's just he does not look like he meshes with this team offensively, and he's not doing enough defensively as of now to vie for – minutes at this point in the season like it's almost sad to see you expect Daryl Morey is more than likely going to make a trade eventually before the trade deadline so Matisse is probably going to be the one on the move which if you like Matisse is probably the best thing for him because if he goes to a team that offers him more playing time he has more room to grow and then you can watch him play wherever he ends up so I'm I was really high on Matisse before they drafted him and then when they drafted him I was so so happy but it's kind of clear and evident now he does not really have a rotation spot on this team. Yeah, doesn't fit. We had the Matisse conversation last week, and unless he develops just a respectable jump shot, whether it's the corner three, mid-range, he's such a negative on offense. It's most More times than not, it's not worth having him out there for his defense. And I like the kid. I want to see him succeed, but it just doesn't seem like it'll happen here when you want a team that is Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid friendly because they need shooters around them. So if him being moved, playing in a different city, anywhere, Phoenix, Dallas, Houston, any, Milwaukee, Boston, anywhere, if that's what's best for his career, I want to see that happen because he seems like a good guy. He – Always smiling, just happy to be around. But I want, I would like to see his career just take off. It's not going to happen here because there's no place for him if he can't shoot. And even the offense has run a lot through Joel Embiid so far this season. And Doc Rivers has mentioned that he has assigned players to either be shooters or cutters when Embiid has it in the post. And it's kind of obvious to see Ben as a cutter, Seth as a shooter, Danny Green, Tobias. Danny Green's a shooter. Tobias has a little bit of a mix. And Matisse, from what I've seen, is a cutter. And if you're a small, a small forward, quote-unquote, playing in the NBA as a cutter, that's not great because that means you have, like, legitimately zero outside shot. His shot it needs development, but that's not going to happen over the course of a season. That happens in the off season. That happens, and of course, wild off season. Not a lot of time to develop, but there's less and less room for him to grow on this team. So it's a shame. But hopefully, Daryl Moore can work something out for the best for Matisse, or Matisse can develop very, very quickly and prove me wrong. So that's all we've got for Sixers talk today. I actually before we peace oh, out. Before absolutely. we peace out, uh, it was sad to see what happened to Markel Fultz. 
He's oh yeah playing so well this year. I know. And I know our our boy Don Beaver. Actually, I don't know if you know Don Beaver. I don't. He is the president of the Markel Folks uh, fan club. Uh, and I know he listens to the pod. Uh, it was unfortunate what happened torn ACL, but I think he was up. He scored averaging around like twenty points a game at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's playing very well, and it's just. It just seems like he can't catch a break at this. At point. least he so. signed that three-year contract before he got hurt. That's yes, a good part for him. But Get yeah, your money, was, young man. Talk about wanting someone to succeed. Of course, wanting Fultz to succeed. He was so much fun even without a shot in Orlando. But that is all we're gonna have for Sixers Talk today. Sixers Talk is presented by Wilmington University Willamette Works. I am Kevin Rice alongside Ben Barry, Danny Pomels. Have fun in Europe. We'll see you next time. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.